0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. There's somebody in this room that feels like they're not okay, and you're looking. Well, I got some news for you. You're in the right place. You know why? Because none of us are okay. So you're going to feel right at home. In fact, if you're here and you're perfect, might want to leave now. You're not going to feel comfortable because you're going to feel like you stand out like a sore thumb. We're just a bunch of sinners who have found grace in Jesus, and he's changed our life. And so welcome. Because there is a story. Of grace that starts the day he saves us and we looked at that saving grace there's also a story of how grace frees us from being that old and stuck in our old ways and sinful ways and it helps us to be transformed and then we looked at how grace lives through us and the difference it makes as it lives out of us well today I want us to finish this series looking at grace that sustains us. It's called Sufficient Grace. And it's for those going through a rough time. It's for those who feel like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to make it. You feel like you're at the end of the rope. Because what happens after you trust him? What happens when you pray and you, you're trying to follow him and you're walking as close as you can, but you just feel like there's obstacles in the way? Maybe you feel like you just keep getting knocked down. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe relational issues. But you begin to feel like, does God, does God still love me? Is there something wrong with me? It's exactly what Paul felt. And one of the greatest lessons Paul ever learned, he shares with us in a book known as 2 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open to that or turn, it, turn on your, your, your phone or your iPad or whatever, and, and I want you to turn to that place, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, okay? Chapter 12. Now, let me, let me set it up and tell you what he's writing about. Paul lived in a day when evidently there were some super apostles they had a they had this concept churches had a concept of a super apostle that's apostle that didn't get sick they didn't have troubles they didn't have opposition they were super apostles well paul didn't fit that and yet paul knew he was walking with god because he'd had some incredible moments God had revealed himself in amazing ways. The beginning of chapter 12, Paul tells us about a moment when he got caught up in the third heaven. Let me just tell you what the third heaven is. The first heaven is the sky above us. The second heaven is the universe, the stars. Third heaven is where Jesus dwells. That's where we'll spend eternity. He got caught up in that. Literally was taken there. He saw things he couldn't even explain, couldn't talk about. And then... He said, in order to keep him from being prideful, the Lord allowed something in his life. So you see, Paul had a choice. I can tell these folks, hey, yeah, I have illnesses. I have struggles. I have stuff going on. But hey, let me tell you what I've seen. Let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you where I've been. But he chose not to do that. Instead of bragging on him, he bragged on Jesus. Instead of glorifying himself, he glorified Jesus. And he said, it's actually through my weaknesses, it's actually through the struggles that I have learned things about Jesus. And he shares them with us. So I hate to break it to you, but there are no super apostles. None. Every one of us struggle. And probably the good news of this moment is it's okay to not be okay. How many of you don't feel okay today? Raise your hand okay. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're not okay because you lied in this room. <laughs> How about wives? Look at your husband and say, honey, you're not okay. Just tell him right now. There you go. I know some of you personally. You want me to call you out and tell you you're not okay? <laughs> Truth is, none of us are. But that's the beauty of what Paul said. No, I'm not okay. But there's something I learned in that place. So I'm going to read with you, starting in verse 7, 2 Corinthians. Again, if you've got your, uh, you got a Bible on, on or open. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can we say that together, that last part? For when I am weak, then I am strong. May the Lord bless his word. It's okay to not be okay. We all walk with a limp, every one of us. We live in a broken world. We are broken people. Some of us have just learned how to hide it. Some of us have learned how to pretend that it's all okay, and it's not okay. And therefore, we may run the risk of the conceit and the pride that Paul's saying that God fought in his life. We may think, hey, I got this. No, we don't. So Paul said the Lord, and I believe he attributes it behind the scenes to God, gave him a thorn in the flesh. Let me tell you why I believe that. Verse 7, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, literally against the flesh. That word given to me is what they call a divine passive passive voice it's as if and it's used other places god gave me something okay so god allowed something could have been allowed something could have been directly gave him something you said but what about this messenger of satan okay you know satan can use gifts that god gave you I believe that talent sometimes is a gift from God. Well, guess what Satan can do? He can make you think it's all about you. He can use that to haunt you. How about the ability to earn wealth? Man, that's a gift from God. But sometimes Satan can take that and he can destroy you with it. So here's this messenger of Satan that is coming to beat him up. Let me just say something about God. He's loving. There's no evil. He causes no evil. And to validate his love, he doesn't have to take all the evil out. You're gonna struggle. I'm gonna struggle. There is still evil and brokenness in our world. There's brokenness in us. I've had people say, Man, I just wish I could just do something and make all the bad stuff go away. Okay, you want a button? Push a button, and all the bad stuff goes away? Be careful, you might disappear. And your friend, and your husband, and your wife. <laughs> the point is, guys, there's going to be brokenness. But the truth of this passage is that God's going to use it. God's going to take this. We don't know what the thorn was. Okay, everybody always wants to ask, what do you think that thorn was? How many of you think it was Paul's wife? I've heard that. Let me let's just get a, a hand. Okay, that tell me a lot about you. I, Paul was not married. <laughs> it was not his wife. What was it? There are some who believe it was a physical ailment. I was called always in the school, I thought it was uh, eyesight, bad eyesight because of some references in some of his letters. Uh, one of the greatest studies of Paul was done by a guy of Sir William Ramsey. He thought it was malaria. Some think it's epilepsy. I mean, there's all kinds of guesses. And then there are those who think, no, it wasn't illness. But illness can be a thorn. Because some of you are battling something right now that you can't fix. Trust me, I stand on this stage as a living witness to Satan can use illness to make us think. What's wrong with you? Pastor, if you had more faith, you wouldn't have gone through everything you did. If you had more faith, you wouldn't have walked through that. You wouldn't have, been, you wouldn't have experienced those things. Listen, the enemy can use a lot of stuff in our life to make us think we're not okay. Well, good news for the enemy. We know we're not okay but we know how to change. So maybe it is illness. It could be something spiritual. For example, Martin Luther thought it was the temptations of the flesh. I could agree with that. That can be like a thorn in the flesh. By the time you're doing well, then all of a sudden you do something stupid or you fall and you think, why did I do that? The temptations of the flesh. Uh, Augustine thought it was persecution that came against Paul. And uh, another great, Pauline theologian, Johnny Cash, thought it was memory of the past. I mean, the Johnny Cash, okay? Wrote a book on Paul. Good book, actually. He said it was Paul's memory of what he used to be. I can tell you a lot of times, sitting right over here before I get up, Satan has a way of reminding me what I used to be. He's really good at that. So it could have been that. But I think the ambiguity is for a reason. Because we all have a thorn in the flesh. Sometimes many. Things that we battle against. For Paul, could have had it 14 years. That's when he had that moment where he got caught up in the third heaven. Could have been 14 years. He had prayed how many times? Three times. He'd asked God to remove it three times. And for those of you who believe that God has to do everything we ask, unless we don't have enough faith, did Paul not have enough faith? No, he had plenty of faith. Why didn't God remove it? Well, God didn't remove it because he wanted to use the thorn, not remove the thorn. He wanted to use the thorn. You see, how many times did Jesus ask that the cup be removed from him in the garden of Gethsemane? Remember when he prayed, just... Night before he was crucified, he prayed. He asked the Lord. And three times he asked God to remove the cup. And guess what? God did not remove the cup. That cup saved us. That cup was judgment against sin. And because God didn't remove it, we now can be saved. So there are things that God is not going to remove. There are things in your life right now. He's not going to remove. Why? Because he wants to use them. There's a friend who's here today, and he made a statement one day, and I wrote it down. It's just one of those statements that stayed with me. Some people pray for relief, but what they really need is revelation. In other words, you need to see what God is doing there. Warren Weersby said it this way, when you and I hurt deeply, what we really need is not an explanation from God, but a revelation of God. We need to see our, how great our God is. And sometimes it's only in that brokenness that you can really see how great he is. So guess what? It's okay to not be okay because there's some lessons we learn. In fact, the things that Paul was going through, the very things that he boasts in, his weaknesses are the very things those people were using against him. That's how God works though. Takes what the enemy is using against us, turned it into something amazing. Lessons to be learned. Let me give you three of them. When you're not okay, when you are not okay, you realize you need Jesus. When you're not okay, you realize you need Jesus. Paul calls himself a chief of sinners. He was not okay. He knew he wasn't okay. But yet there's a lie out there that says, and how many of you have heard it? You can lift your hand if you've heard this. Hey, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that? It's a lie. God will give you more than you can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. That's a promise. But don't believe that because then you'll be going, well, gosh, I can't handle this. So God must, there's something wrong here. What's wrong is that that's a lie. When you're not okay, Sometimes that's to teach you to rely on him. This is what Paul wrote when he began that letter. By the way, there were about four letters to the Corinthians. It was a really crazy church, okay, and had some issues. And so what we're reading is a part probably of the fourth letter. But in the opening of this one, 2 Corinthians, this is what he wrote. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Do you know what that's code for? We wanted to die. You mean somebody like Paul got to a place where he said, God, I just don't want to live anymore. Yes. He was so burdened. Then he says this. (laughs) He says, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Don't raise your hand. Some of you in this room have gotten to a place you believe that. In other words, just like, I, I guess this is never going to change. And, and I guess it's just there's nothing God's going to do. Watch this. Paul ends that opening verse with this. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So in other words, God is wanting to show you through those things that make you not okay. He's wanting to show you, you can't trust in you. Instead, you can trust one who, by the way, raises from the dead. Can we give him praise for that? He raises from the dead. So there's nothing too difficult. Now, when you start raising from the dead, you can trust you. But until you do. Put your faith in the only one who ever has raised someone from the dead. And so Paul said, man, these things are helping me learn. I I need Jesus. The second thing, when when we're not okay, we glory in Jesus, not ourselves. We don't walk around strutting. You know anybody that can strut sitting down? Preachers are good at that. I mean, we walk around sometimes and, and, and we give the impression, we got it all together. Oh, we got it all together. If y'all want to really get to heaven, just follow us. Paul said, no way. I will never glory in me. In fact, Paul said there's one thing he'll glory in. He'll glory in his weakness, but he'll glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Galatians 6.14, he said, man, I better boast only in the cross, not in anything else. What does that mean? Practically, it means this. The thing that you celebrate most, the thing you talk about most, the thing that you put your hope and trust in is what Jesus did for you on the cross, not what you are doing. Did you know the most vulnerable moment for Jesus? Literally the most vulnerable moment, the the weakest moment. If you had to pick a weak moment, if there was one for Jesus, you know what I think it was? The cross. Because there he's hanging on a cross. He's got criminals laughing at him, one on either side, but he's got them walking around making fun of him. And he looks to us helpless. But yet, it's in the cross. Paul gloried. It's the cross that John, the gospel of John, talks about the moment of glorification. What was it? The cross. Our goal is to never show the world how strong we are. It's to show the world how great Jesus is we don't glory in us, we glory in him. And the third one, when we're not okay, it's only then we can learn that his grace is sufficient. When we're not okay, that's when we see the sufficiency of his grace. The whole idea of He sums it up in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to show you a simple principle, just elementary. But it helps me, because I'm a visual learner, and I love visuals. You see this bottle of water? That's our life. The water in this bottle is our strength, our ability, our goodness, our whatever. We have a God who's wanting to fill us with power and fill us with great strength, but it's going to be kind of tough to fill us when we're already full of ourselves. So, you know what happens sometimes? He allows those things in our life so that we empty ourselves. You remember John the Baptist when he saw Jesus? He looked at him and said, He must increase, I must decrease. What was he saying? I need to pour John the Baptist out and let Jesus fill John the Baptist. I'm convinced God allows us to go through brokenness. To just help us empty us of us. So that we're not always trusting us. Because that's when you're going to see the sufficiency of his grace. Someone said it this way. You'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you got. And so when you're walking through it, in fact, I have, this, I have this theory. I believe in a thing called dying grace. Now, let me tell you what I think it means. Dying grace is that moment when you are with somebody, and they're dying. They're not going to survive, but they just live with courage. And you're amazed, I've seen it. I mean, I've stood by the bedside until their dying breath, and I've just been in awe of how they lived and faced death the way they did. I'll tell you what I really believe about it. You know how you get dying grace? You die to self. When you are facing death, you're at the end of your rope. Doctors have done what they can. You've done what you can. you got nothing left. And that's when the bottle's empty. And that's when the power of God can pour into you. My point is, why do we have to wait till then to be taught that? Man, we're all strong and we're all courageous. We can do it. And then all of a sudden we face something like death and we face something like cancer. We don't know what to do. And I just think the lesson that Paul is trying to teach us is it's when you're weak that he is strong. It's when we're weak, when we're empty, that's when the power of God can come. And his grace is like water. It flows to the lowest part. It goes to the deepest places, the deepest hurt, the deepest pain. So when I say grace, his grace is sufficient, I think it means no matter what you're walking through today, his grace is enough. It is. And I just think for us today, we need to listen to Paul. There are no super apostles. There's none of us in this room, none of us listening by stream. We're not perfect. We all have those struggles. We walk with a limp, But it's okay. Because it's in that weakness we can be strong. I just think today we need to surrender. I mean, some of us fight. And we try to pretend everything's okay. We try to figure out a way to solve the problem. And and so we're working and, and not even realizing that, you know what? His power is a lot greater than ours. He raised us from the dead. We just need to lean into Him. And I want us today to have a time to just do that. doesn't matter what it is you're walking through. It could be health issues. It could be financial issues. It could be relational issues. I want you to have an opportunity. If you'd like to come and kneel here, maybe you know a family. You, maybe you were there and you watched as Haley went through that. It'd be a great time to pray for Haley and the kids. Or you know somebody else that's going through it. Pray for them. Pray that they will learn. It's okay to not be okay. Because when you're not okay, He is awesome. Would you bow with me? As our heads are bowed, I think the first step is to recognize we need Jesus. So for those of you watching, if you've never taken that step, those of you in the room, you have never taken that step, that's the first step, because that means, I can't fix myself. I need you, Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. You can call on him. You can ask him. And just say, Jesus, I, I can't do this. I need you. And I want you to invite him not just in for a moment. I want you to invite him in for your life, for all of eternity, and just say, Lord, it's yours. I give you my life, and I want to simply pray, and you pray these words after me if you choose to, or if you have words of your own, just let him know you need him. Jesus, thank you for what you came and did for us. That we could never accomplish for ourselves. And we recognize today that in our brokenness, in our messed up world and life, we need you. So, Jesus, come, take our life. Literally, move in. We empty ourselves, Lord. It's you. Fill us with your power, your grace, which is sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe you called upon him. He heard. He promised that. So as we walk together, let's pray together. Let's spend a moment just simply being honest. So the altar is open, and I want you to take that step and just say, Lord, I'm here to say I'm not right. I'm not okay. I need you. There is nothing greater than that moment in your life his weakness to be made strong in you. You will will literally sense something's happening. And you feel his presence and you feel his strength. So would you join me? They're just going to play. I want you to, wherever you are, you're welcome to come. You can sit right there and pray. Wherever you are watching this, spend this moment and just say, Lord, I need you. I'm not okay. God, I want to thank you for a place that it's okay to not be okay. I want to thank you for people who understand. And Lord, we all struggle with these thorns against the flesh. Whatever it might have been for Paul, we know what it is for us. And I thank you that it's through those thorns we see you Lord, we we learn the incredible lesson that it's in our weakness that you're made strong. So Jesus, we pray as John the Baptist prayed. we pray may we decrease and you increase. Fill our life with your power and your presence. And thank you, Lord for this place and for families that we can walk with like the Larson's. Thank you for Haley. Lord, give her and the children your grace that we believe we know is sufficient. Thank you, Father, for the story of the woman at the well who found you And so, Lord, all of this has been to help us learn. With you, we have everything. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, you can continue to pray. You can sit here quietly. You can stay at this altar. Because I know this morning there's so much brokenness in this room with all of us here and I don't want you to leave until you have seen that hope that Paul brings you've seen that beautiful truth in your weakness he's strong so today it's okay to not be okay as we go We will go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is sufficient always. May God bless you. See you next weekend. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, Be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.